0: Hi, everyone. It's your host, Liz. And on today's podcast, I have Erin Elizabeth Downing as my guest. Erin was living in San Diego working as a design contractor, but behind closed doors, she was dealing with a lot of darkness. Suddenly, she felt a self calling to New York. Ergo, she packed her bags and started her new journey. During this episode, Erin and I talk about how New York pushes us to be the next evolution of ourselves, for better or for worse. This is only part one of her story. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Erin. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So I just want to dive right into when you knew you wanted to move to New York and how many years did you live there and where you are now?
1: Yeah, sure. So when I graduated college, it was a pretty interesting time because 9-11 happened when I was in school. So any any of my friends that had these kind of dreams of going to New York and starting these fabulous careers, it really, it really, I want to say, since I went to school in Virginia, many of us didn't think it was a possibility after that. And that could be just our perceived you know, our perception of the reality at the time, but anyone who kind of thought they were just going to go to New York and strike off on their own, we all kind of course corrected a little bit then. So I ended up course correcting even more so because I met my ex-husband when I was in college and he was already in DC. So my kind of idea about moving to New York, got put on hold a little bit of that because of a boy, which shocker, these sort of things happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I lived in California. I followed him out west. He was an aerospace engineer and originally from like Rochester area. So when we were together and we were in San Diego, we had talked a lot about going back east and especially going back to New York. You know, during that time that we were in San Diego, my mom got really sick from cancer and we had a bunch of other things happen where we were constantly going back and forth to the East Coast. And so we had talked about it, you know, pretty, pretty seriously. Um, But... Needless to say, it didn't come to fruition. And when that marriage started to dissolve, I, you know, just had this pull on my heart. Like, okay, I always said I was gonna live in New York. I always had the dream of New York City. You know, it's been calling me, pulling me like a siren, for a really, really long time. And when it was apparent that that marriage just wasn't gonna continue, and he wasn't into also moving back to the East Coast, I just said, you know what, F it. Like, I'm gonna throw it out into the universe. And if I get a job that not only propels me forward, right? I I made this kind of dialogue with the universe where I was like, you know what? I'm not going for a lateral move. I'm not going for less money. You know, I'm almost 30 years old. I was almost 30 years old at that point. I was like, I if I am dissolving my marriage and leaving the life that I created, you know, the last like seven years on the West Coast behind it's going to be for some good shiz, right? So Yeah, <laughs> I was no, like definitely. Yeah. So I didn't, um, I said, I'm not going to live with roommates. You know, I had all these stories from the, the girls that I knew from college that were a couple years older than me, you know, building walls, like making a one bedroom into a two and some of the sketchy, sketchy neighborhoods that they lived in at the time. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing that. Everything's going to be onward and upward. And as the universe would have it. The stars aligned. Don't get me wrong, as everything happens, it was like six to eight months of work, like connections, talking to people, really setting my mind to going. Um, And then everything ticked into place, what seemed like literally overnight.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's a really interesting story. I'm, when I think about when I moved, you know, it kind of just, happened organically in a sense of I applied for a college here and then I got in so that was like my next move. I mean it was very different. I was one of maybe 5 kids mm-hmm. from back home that decided to moved away from home which you right. know again I'm I'm from Puerto Rico so everyone really knew each other. It was like a very close knit community wherever mm-hmm. you were. So out of you know being such a small group that were, was leaving that was you know a culture shock for everyone like or not just a culture shock but a life shock like you know my family was okay with it but everybody else it it just was like oh wow you're leaving okay so like when are you gonna be back like is it just for a year and I was like well you know it's very you know you can't really plan those things because I could have you know come here and, and not liked my experience and then I could have moved elsewhere maybe moved back home like you never really know you know, what's going to happen. So, you know, you mentioning that it took you six to eight months, just like really connecting or reconnecting with, you know, people in the industry and making sure that it was the right time for you to move. It's, you know, it's, it's something that you need to accept also, you know, things aren't going to just happen. you know, in, in a month, if you, especially if you're determined to make a lateral move as well, and, you know, not set yourself up for, for something less than that.
1: Yeah. And that's an important, for anyone who's trying to catch a new job in general, as somebody who used to hire people, it's when you're waiting and you're ready for the next step, you, you are mentally already there, right? You're mentally saying like, hey, like let's, let's do this. I'm already there. I'm ready to start. I can start tomorrow. Like interview. What do you need? But the rest of the people who are hiring you are in the thick of their everyday lives. And, you know, they get that emergency conference call or the project's on fire, or then all of a sudden the head guy didn't sign off on the thing that needs the thing. And, you know, a lot of times it's just completely out of your control. So it's a good measure point. I would say before the pandemic hit, you know, I'd always say three to six months to get a new position. Now, I have no idea, depending on the industry, people could need more people immediately. But the interesting thing is, is that, you know, you came from Puerto Rico and I was originally from the East coast. You would think that I would move to New York city and all of a sudden have a network and have friends from college and all these things. And I had no one, which is such an interesting dynamic because at almost 30, I was getting divorced right? I met my ex-husband two weeks after my 21st birthday. We had been together for nine and a half years, and I had had a couple miscarriages with him and all sorts of, an entire life, you know, built, an entire adult life built with this other human. And being from Virginia, it's quote unquote the South, right? And going to school at Virginia Tech, all of my friends were married and most of them had had kids. And my one really close girlfriend, that did live in the Northeast was already living out in the suburbs in Connecticut. So even though you would think I would come with this amazing support system, you know, I didn't go to like a school like Syracuse where a lot of my friends in the city went to, or people that were, you know, coming to New York right afterwards where 30 years your prime, right? You're hitting a stride with your career. Yeah. Like maybe a friend or two is starting to get engaged, but like, meh, if it happens, whatever you're in your dating prime, you're going out and drinking all the cocktails and taking all the Ubers home. It's like a really you know, exciting time to be in New York city. But I, I went there almost like I came from another country because all of my friends were now in a completely different stage of life. And not only that, I literally took my entire life, like flipped the snow globe upside down and just like, let it hang out there. I was building from the ground up just like I would have if I had come from another country or started, you know, right outside of college.
0: Yeah, no, I can definitely, um, relate to that not that my friends are all having mm-hmm. babies and maybe like You're in terms of our, our age difference right there um yeah. but when I did move it you know I I left behind all my friends I you know basically was going on my own I left my family left my friends and then you know came to New York like yes I had relatives like you know in a close proximity maybe you know other state New Jersey but there was still like no one I would be living with that you know knew me in and out. And it was, you know, definitely putting yourself out there, like very bare, very raw, you know, having New York also be such an intimidating city. I think at the time I don't, I think about it now and I call it intimidating, but back then I feel like I was just like oh I'm moving to New York like you know sex in the city gossip girl like (laughs) I was like all these like magical you know tv shows or movies that you see and you're comparing it to that and you know at some point you know some parts did match up you know the beauty of the city and like the fact that you know everything's always like accessible and and lively that's for sure but you know in terms of making friends and feeling comfortable and feeling like you know just like secure is is really is really different. So I know that that was something that I had to, you know, get comfortable with and get used to. Also, as soon as I moved, it was very clear to me that I needed to get a job, which in my mind, I did not expect. I was like, I'm going to college. That's, you know, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, my sister, told me, who's a little bit older than me, she was like, you need to, you need to get a job. She was like, our parents will pay for your education. And that's really where it stops. She's like, anything you want to do on your own, like will require you, you know, this isn't, you know, you're not a child anymore. You're not like a young adult. You, you know, you don't have an allowance, like you need to get a job. And I was like, okay, great. How am I going to do that? So, you know, at that time is when I was like, okay, I'm going to, work in retail I mean I was studying fashion so retail seemed like the obvious answer to that kind of like looking for a job and I went like door to door you know basically with like a very short resume saying like hey I'm looking for a job are you hiring and it's really like those first interactions like whoever you talk to whether it is someone in management or you know you come back for a scheduled interview those always like firsthand interactions and connections like are what, you know, sets you up for, for the future and sets you up for that particular job that you're looking for. So, you know, I, I know now when I think about it, I'm like, I have a lot of friends that I met and, you know, people that I can still, you know, maybe reach out to nowadays that were from my early years working in retail that I got to spend like all these hours with them and getting to know them.
1: And this is this is a great point about the fact that this is one of the beauties of New York. And I don't know that I would have been able to do what I did if I hadn't had some of those stepping stones before. You know, when I, when I graduated college, I went straight to DC and I was working across from people who went to my college. I was still going out every night with my best friends, you know, doing all of these things. And when my ex moved to California and I decided to go with him... That was my first jumping off point to kind of going and having no one anywhere near, having no, you know, friends, like not being able to have to go on a plane in order to get back to where I was from, which is your same experience with Puerto Rico. Right. And when I went to New York, you know, that's that's one of the amazing things about New York is like, that's where your personal growth happens. I'm sure you can say that if you didn't do that, and you weren't forced to get out of your comfort zone and not have that security net, you may not be where you are today. And it's one of those things that you know, I say that people would ask me about New York and I'd be like, God, you love it and you hate it like 20 times a day, all day, every day. You know, you have like the guy on the subway who just like is a jerk and pisses you off. And then like you walk out of the subway and there's this beautiful building and you think, oh my gosh, like the majestic skyline, you know, it goes back and forth constantly. Right. And one of the beautiful things is Regardless of your support system, whether you came with no one or you came with an entire group of people, you're constantly thrust in situations where you don't have your support system right next to you. And it forces you to evolve and meet new people and learn those interpersonal skills and kind of learn how to give yourself the pep talk like, oh, I don't want to go, I'd just rather stay in my pajamas. It's like, get your booty up, you know, go to the thing after work, meet your contacts, mm-hmm. apply for that job. And it really pushes you to be... I mean, you could go cliche and say the best version of yourself, but it's really more the next to the next evolution of yourself, um, for better or for worse. Right.
0: Yeah. No, I like that next evolution. I like that. That saying Mm -hmm. better. We should put that in a quote. Yeah. (laughs) Um, that's definitely definitely better. And and I do agree like personal growth. I think that if I compare myself to people back home, which, you know, again, I don't want to compare myself to others, but, um, I can see like just a huge difference like not that you know I'm doing better or they're doing worse like it's more of a where I've gone because I've you know had to put myself in those situations and be able to like just earn a living for myself and not have so much of a security blanket for myself here you know yes there is always the option of moving back home when you know if everything hits the fan but you know we're not there yet and I think that when I talked to my family and I talk to my loved ones, like they're always like super supportive and you know, they're like, okay, you started a podcast. Okay, great. My mom was like, what's a podcast. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, love you mom. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was just, it was something different and, you know, getting that kind of like, you know, ongoing, like, Hey, how can I help? Or, you know, just any type of conversation that you can have with, you know, even friends that you've met along the lines that have been, again, super supportive and have wanted to help me with this is something that I wouldn't have had. And I wouldn't have been able to get to this point to feel very comfortable to talk to others, to talk to, you know, my friends, strangers, you know, people that I've met online like you. So, you know, I think that, yeah, definitely personal growth is one of the key takeaways that New York definitely provides um, uh, when you live here.
1: And, and not just, it's personal growth in every avenue of your life. It's like when people talk about New York City, I'm like, look, New York has something for everyone. If you're into theater, there's theater. If you're into art, there's art. If there you're into like weird puppet shows, like every other Thursday, I'm sure there's a weird puppet show, like every other, like anything that you're like, hmm, this would be cool. You can get down with and find people who will get down with in New York City. And that's the whole beauty of it too, is like, for a minute, you may be super into one thing and you grow and you evolve and you you put that tool like in your toolkit and you meet people in that arena and then maybe you ebb and flow and then you switch and then you learn a little bit more about something else or then the universe, AKA New York city (laughs) provides a whole new set of challenges that you're like, Oh, I thought I was already like, I thought I figured that out. And then something else gets put on your plate and you, and you learn how to Bob and weave. And that's a thing that New Yorkers have that, I mean, I've traveled the world and God bless everyone in every other city, but that is something so profound about every New Yorker that I've ever met. Like it's just an ability to multitask, to Bob, to weave, to take in information, rapid amounts of information at all times, and really dissimulate that and figure out how to work with that. And if any city is resilient, and if any city can accomplish anything in the world, it's New York City for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I agree. I think that we are constantly being stimulated, especially when we're outdoors. Like, you know, if we're on our way to work. You're on the subway, you're walking, you don't know what's gonna hit you. You don't know if there's gonna be, you know, I don't know, some crazy MTA situation happening that then you're, you know, delayed to work and then you're like trying to like slack your coworkers. Oh my God, I'm gonna be late. And then it's like your whole day ends up, you know, being swerved and it's like, okay, great, now I'm late to this meeting, or you know, just I don't know, you're you're then now at lunchtime and then they're sold out of your salad at sweet drink
1: and it's like, <laughs> no. or, like, or the yeah, like, why didn't I order that on my phone app on the way when I had service in the subway for those five seconds?
0: <laughs> exactly. And then it's like, you can't, the lines are too long. Like there's so many different things that it's yeah. like so simple, but it just like the rhythm of your day. It just gets like, you know, you just have to pivot then you're like, okay, great. I can't get a salad here. I only have 20 minutes left for this thing before I have a conference call. Or, you know, maybe you, your work schedule isn't that hectic. There's always still things happening, like whether or not, like, again, it's usually an MTA problem. You can't get on the subway. You have to meet I don't know you're having coffee with a friend maybe instead of like you know you're not going to work or something for some reason and even that like maybe they burn your latte something happens that i feel like you always like have to be like on the move maybe some place is closed because it closed they got shut down by the health department it happens all the time right. and then it's like okay great what do we do how do we pivot and i feel like those are things that you know again there's so many places in New York that you're also allowed to do. That. It's not like you have to get back in a car and drive 15 minutes to the next like local spot. It's like, you're right there and you can walk like a block or two and kind of find your way and, and figure that out.
1: Yeah, and what a great use of the word pivot that I feel like we're you're using in the context of you know just new Yorkers and how they act and and the media and on social media and everyone's like pivot 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 right now and so many people are like if i hear the word pivot one more time you know but it's it's true though it's a really good lesson and i truly believe that like, when we feel that most resistance it's because we're being pushed into that next evolution and we're being pushed to grow so a pivot's really pissing you off at this moment it's because you probably haven't been quote unquote forced to pivot at least not as exponentially as you are right now in a while. So it's super uncomfortable because it's a big change. And that is like you're saying a lot of a lot of living in New York City is learning how to be comfortable in the discomfort. Be comfortable knowing that things are going to move and ebb and flow and every single day is going to be different no matter how much you plan. So the reason why we all carry backpacks and like purses and whatever else I mean men any of the things that you have that's got your laptop, it's got your lunch, it's got your gym shoes, it's got like your dry cleaning receipt, you know, like heaven forbid you needed to take the dog to the vet, like all of these things to the point where we're all carrying quote unquote, the weight of the world on our shoulders, quite literally, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I still have a, um, like something wrong with my lower hip from, we had this really bad snowstorm and I used to take um, the subway at West Forth. And it's really narrow coming from the West Village. Like I'd be walking from the West Village like to the West Forest subway. And this and the um we used to pass this amazing coffee shop and then right when you were about to go down, the um stairs are really, really narrow and they had iced over. And I had oh, my coach. <laughs> really like my giant winter coat my snow boots which the reason why I fell is because I wore them every day so the treads were pretty much gone on them and my backpack that weighed I swear 30 pounds and I slipped and fell and because of the weight of my backpack I hit the ground so much harder and fell down that I still have hip issues today from my like Injury from being a moron walking down the icy steps yeah. into the subway. <laughs> work? Yeah, no,
0: I mean, I think that even ugh, that sounds terrible. I that's like literally my one fear. My New York
1: life every yeah.
0: winter. It's like, I'm like, there's no rush. I was like, I'm gonna walk super slow because I'm terrified of like falling and hurting myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, even it's I your think badge that- of
1: honor, yeah. you'll get there, girl. Don't worry, <laughs> it'll happen eventually.
0: I, um, But yeah, no, I mean, when you think about the walking that we do and I think that that like you know I feel like anytime I'm with like my family if we're traveling or if I just go back home like I always walk so much faster than they do or I'm always like steps ahead and they're like what's the rush and I'm like it's like why why is your speed different like I don't even see it as like what's the rush I'm like this is the normal speed that I have because you know we're just trying to get to point A to point B or in C and yeah I mean even thinking about like the bags you mentioned like now I think about it I feel so bad all my bags are just sitting in the closet wanting to be used because it is you have you know you you bring everything with you you bring an extra bag with you just because you don't know what's going to happen you don't know if you're going to walk into zara or if you got to stop at trader joe's because you see that the line is short like all these things happen and you're just like oh my god i have to you know just stop what i'm doing add it and then just like go on with my day so yeah Um, I want to go into a little bit more of, you know, that big change that happened to you when you moved here. What was that like? Um, you know, you,
1: I had a pretty rude awakening to New York city.
0: Yeah. Tell (laughs) tell me, tell me, tell me about those like first few months. Like (laughs) what do you remember, you know, leaving California?
1: So people were so confused because, they were like, you left Southern California to New York City? Was that not the biggest culture shock? I was like, y'all, I worked in D.C. I worked in D.C., which at the time thought that it was in many New York. I'm, I haven't lived in D.C. for a while, so I can't take a temperature of the current situation. But I mean, I was working eight hour you know, weeks there. I was an interior designer at that point. So we were always on deadlines. I was taking cabs home. So, coming, that was my first introduction into the professional world. So, coming to New York honestly felt more like home in that way because of the hustle, the hard work, people were staying late, you had deadlines. And at that point, like I I thrived on that. I loved it. It was so nice to have something else to focus my energy on, to be honest, after all of the drama that was happening in my personal life. But when I came to New York, I ended up being put up in corporate housing, um, just kind of below where the bridge is for Roosevelt Island. Amazing spot. You know, I opened the door to this fabulous apartment that had a, it was like a giant hotel. It had a full kitchen. It had a full living room with like a full size couch, you know, like lounge chairs, a table with chairs to eat at, you know, the bedroom had this king size bed plus a full desk. Plus closets and this amazing shower, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I can do this! It's like this yeah. is great, you know." Definitely
0: was, a hotel room, though not real oh, life.
1: <laughs> not real life. Not real life at all. So I was like, "Oh, this is fantastic!" So I, I mean, I literally when I left, so to backtrack to how it ended up being in New York, um, this is kind of how my life happens. When it does happen, it everything, all the hard work I put together, all of a sudden it hits at once, and I up level like a giant leap. But it's like people saying, oh, they were an overnight success with 15 years of work behind them. Like this is literally, I'm a walking billboard for how that's what happens in your life and how life progresses. I was busting my booty to try to get to New York and I had, you know, through six degrees of separation, got a last minute, I had planned an interview for Labor Day weekend and I had three set up and then I had a last minute interview Um, that happened just by happenstance, you know, somebody gave me a contact the week before I happened to call at, I think seven 30 in the morning, the guy ended up being at his desk and just magically within like, you know, three days from then I got an interview and that's the job I ended up getting, but I did my full interviews. And then I had a video second interview with this firm I'm talking about. And they were like, look, we need you. We want you to start right away. Like, can you be here next week? And my response is like, like, drop everything. Yeah. So New York, right? Like, yes, we need you come now. Like, okay, Okay. technically I need to do the ethical thing and give them two weeks notice. But yeah, as soon as my two weeks are done, I'm on a plane. So I, that Friday I gave my two weeks notice. I finished up my day, my last day of work that Friday. And Saturday morning, my ex-husband, who is then still my husband and my two pups, Put me in a car with whatever I could find suitcase wise Mind you, I was doing project management and construction, like interior design stuff on the West coast in San Diego. I didn't have suit dresses. I didn't have high heels anymore that I wore to work. Like I wore jeans every day and it was a much more relaxed, um, at least physical appearance lifestyle. So I had a girlfriend that came over with And was like, here, try on stuff in my closet. Like that's how I had clothes to be able to wear to my professional New York City job, you know, suit and tie, Mm -hmm. men and women, all day, every day, right outside of Grand Central. I mean, I was wearing borrowed clothes, literally, to show up, hoping to stop at H and M, like on a walk or something, and find another dress that I could wear for the next day of work. So. I, my ex-husband, you know, I gave him a hug and kiss goodbye and the same thing with my pups. And I was on a plane on Saturday, landing in JFK, taking the suitcases that brought anything that I could fit in suitcases with me to my corporate housing. I don't even know if I ate dinner that night. I was so exhausted and so emotionally drained. Um, I walked around a little bit and found a grocery store on Sunday and Monday morning I was working literally a month, to the day after labor day i started october 1st of that year
0: yeah i mean wow that sounds like just everything like thrown together at once like there was no kind of room to breathe even though this is what you wanted you you know you've been working for the past couple of months leading up to this point but then when it actually came it was just kind of like here Aaron here you go like here's here's this is what you wanted so here, we're going to give it to you which is great cuz you don't really expect the universe to do that you expect like maybe like bits and pieces here and there but then for you to get the whole package that you know that seems really really intense
1: yeah i completely changed my my life overnight i mean i started using my maiden name when i got hired so I, my ex-husband and i didn't even formally have the conversation about like are we going to i mean i I was completely honest with him. Obviously, I went to go interview. Like, look, if I get a job that's going to propel me forward in my career, I'm going to go. Like, this needs to happen. Like, my heart and soul is feeling called in this direction. And we had had years, we had tried going to therapy and stuff. So it wasn't like this was anything new. I mean, I fought tooth and nail for that relationship and did not make the decision to leave until it was 9,687% sure that there was no way that it could have been saved. And if it could have, I would have never left. But when I came, you know, I was in, I took my entire life upside down. And that first month I lived in corporate housing. Um, my, one of my best friends from college that was living in Connecticut, because my ex-husband and I still owned our place in California, there was no way that I could pay my California mortgage and any form of rent by myself in New York. So I, my girlfriend said, look, you can come out here and live with me. I had no car. Um, I wasn't going to get a car because I was planning on moving into the city and I ended up, she picked me up, she ran the urbanathlon, which if anybody's done that, it's so cool. Um, she ran the urbanathlon and they happened to drive in from the city and we literally just loaded her car with those same suitcases that I brought. We drove out to Connecticut and that Sunday, like literally that Sunday in Connecticut for 24 hours is when Sandy hit. So like, holy crap.
0: (laughs) I I can't, I mean, when I think about Sandy, it's just like, again, I was, I was in college. I had moved out of the dorms at that point. I was living in like Bushwick, East Williamsburg area. So like off the L train and yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough that we had, something I hated beforehand when we lived at that apartment was that my living room had no windows I felt like there was no way of feeling like there was like outside you never knew what time of day it was unless you had like a door from a bedroom open but when Sandy hit I was like oh my god this is like amazing I shut all the doors and I was like I don't want to hear or feel anything because growing up in Puerto Rico I had experienced a lot of hurricanes and I feel like it's something that even to this day very, very high winds rattle me because Mm -hmm. it's just like, those were terrifying. I mean, back home, you know, I think it's after July, hurricane season starts and it lasts until November. So you're constantly, you know, on your toes. You don't know if like a thunderstorm is going to turn into a hurricane and, you know, then there's like a flood and In Puerto Rico, it's so small that a flood can lead to you not being able to leave your house and like go to the store and get extra food. And like, then usually your water gets turned off, your power gets turned off. And it's just like so terrifying that I was just like, I don't want to think about this in New York. Like this was never supposed to happen in New York. This is one of the like snowstorms. I was fine with that. I was like, I know that that comes with the territory, but a hurricane had never happened. Like people were shocked that like, what half of like Chelsea to Midtown, there was no power for countless days. Like I can't imagine that that was like your first few months and you know, you just get moved from California, great weather, and then you get hit with hurricane. Like that's terrible.
1: And it was it was very intense for multiple reasons. Like when my girlfriend where my girlfriend lived at the time was she was out in Connecticut, but she was in this town called Roy which if anyone's familiar with Connecticut, it's right next to Darien. And she lived in this place called The Barn, which, again, people might actually know what this is, and right next to the Row 8 Market, which all of it's right on the water. So we were literally right there on the water um, as all of this was happening. Trees were down, people were getting stranded. It, it was it was very intense being out there on the water as this was happening. And. I ended up getting a ride into the city. So everything went down on Sunday. Monday was pretty bad. I think I got a ride into the city Tuesday morning. And because MTA was completely shut off, I'm like, yo, I just got a job. I just blew up my. (laughs) Entire life, moved from the West Coast, like left my husband, left the life, life I had before, like literally have changed, changed careers, dynamics, like any and everything that I could possibly turn upside down and change, I just did. And here I am, stranded in Connecticut on a hurricane. And I'm like, I cannot lose my job. I have to go in. Like, how am I going to figure this out? So I packed a giant duffel bag with whatever I could fit in it. And I caught a ride in. And once I got in, I couldn't get back out. So I was literally leaving this duffel bag underneath my desk. I thank goodness had signed up for Equinox because that was how I was showering. I ended up saying, "Oh, thank goodness!" So the queue now for the shower and Equinox was like out the door and around the corner because so many other people were doing the exact same yeah. thing that I was was using it as our like personal personal hygiene, you know, base camp, so to speak. And I was staying, I didn't know every night, you know, sometimes it was six o'clock PM and I was cranking at my desk in this new job that I was determined to succeed at. And I had no idea where I was sleeping that night. You know, some of the guys would jokingly come up to my desk and be like, Hey, Nomad, where are you yeah. sleeping tonight? I'm like, I don't know underneath this desk. Like, <laughs> do you have a better idea? Cause I'm open to suggestions.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you moved, like you said, you dropped everything and yeah. you had this calling to go to New York and that's what you did, and it was all revolved around this job. So I could imagine that like the pressure, not even just the pressure of the job, but just the pressure to, you know, really keep it together and say, okay, I did this. This was the right decision. Like I wasn't stupid. This wasn't a mistake. And yeah, I mean, I can't imagine like having a duffel bag at my desk. Like, I feel like usually you have like an extra pair of shoes and like, you know, maybe some, like a little toiletry kit just in case, but I can't imagine like actually thinking like, okay, great. I'm doing Equinox. I'm, you know, I'm Checking back and forth, like, what, what, where am I going to sleep tonight? It's, it's really crazy. And it's obviously, you know, you're not going to go and stay at a hotel. You just moved again. You're talking about having a mortgage. You couldn't even, you couldn't and, even get
1: hotel rooms. That's yeah. the trick. Like, you couldn't get a hotel room and you weren't using the subway because the subways were closed. So I worked right outside Grand Central. Like, literally, my, there was an underground connection between the building. The building has since been torn down and there's a new one in its place, but um, there was an underground connection to Grand Central. And I mean, that's, I somehow ended the first night, my, one of my girlfriends messaged me late and was like, I don't know how we did this, but we got the last hotel room, like known to man in New York city. And it was, we talked about this, right? The Pennsylvania, right, right across from Penn station, which is a scary as F hotel. I literally felt like I was in the shining because on the other side of the street South, everything was blacked out. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're at Penn Station and everything north is light. And then to east of that hotel, everything was also blacked out. So it was this weird dynamic that somehow Penn Station was still lit, you know, like visibly lit, like it wasn't completely dark, but everything else, at least, you know, to the east and to the south of you was completely blacked out.
0: Yeah. I mean, it didn't matter where, I mean, if you lived in the city, which is funny because I, I always was like, oh, like I, I always wanted to move out of the city. And I moved there. I, you know, had like two years in college that again, FIT is really close to Penn Station, Madison Square Garden. It's not great once you pass 8th Avenue, like nothing is like lavishy there. Everything is just really like gross and dirty. And it still is like, I, I feel like maybe I haven't gone recently, but it just feels like it is. And yeah, I mean, I had a friend that moved to the city. Like she was like, oh my God, like living in like just, you know, a very high rise apartment and she had no power, and no water. And I lived in Brooklyn and I was like, I have power and water. So you always kind of threw it in my face. Like I live in the city, you don't. And I was like, it means nothing. You have nothing right now. <laughs> like during a hurricane, like I came out a winner, but yeah, I mean, I can not imagine like, you know, having to stay in a hotel and then, Again, that's still, like, just one night, but that whole area, like, it just is so wild because, again, the MTA was down. This is, like, New York did not prepare well for this. Like, they're still working on the L train, what, 10 years later from Sandy? (laughs) Um, I just, like, can't, like, I I couldn't get on the train. Like, I was taking buses, like, at that point. Like, I I think I stopped working... classes I think had probably paused for the moment because yeah I mean there was no way for you to like you didn't even know to teach most of the teachers don't live in the city they either lived up north so if you're in the, even if you did have power but you're off the metro north or you know you're off like just really far off that you can't get into the city so it was just like really it was just like a pause like it really put a pause on New York which It's so hard to do. I think it's, you know, now there's a pause, but like things are still functioning, but you know, a natural disaster like that definitely, definitely hit us, definitely impacted us.
1: Well, and and the beauty of New York is, you know, at the time I was working in, um, you know, the project management construction industry. And one of our projects, a girl who got hired the same day I did was the project manager for the Whitney Museum. So they were dealing with all the generators were underground and a lot of the construction was halted and a lot of really expensive, you know, equipment, you know, millions of dollars worth of equipment was potentially destroyed. And the beauty of New York and working in the industry that I worked in while I you know, was in that season of my life is that New York rebounded hardcore and put new regulations in place. And this is what we need to do for flood protection. And really kind of stepped up in a way that, again, I don't know any other city in the world that would rally behind, you know, Mm -hmm. their history and their architecture and their people and saying, okay, we totally got blindsided by this, but like, we will not let this happen again. Like we are New Yorkers, we will adapt. We will not just adapt. We will bound back stronger. And the next time this happens, we will not only be prepared. We will be a beacon of light that will show the rest of the world how we are meant to show up when this happens.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And then anybody that's listening, um, the Whitney opened in me packing. So that's right by the water. You're right by the Hudson River. Yep. And it was just like this new. I mean first of all, there's no museums really downtown like that and at all, not even just like that, like that whole area, me packing was starting to grow a little bit in, you know, less retail, you know, more just attractions for people to get down there besides going to the Chelsea market, besides brunching on the weekends with your friends. And yeah, I can't imagine just like a large project like that, just being like completely impacted by, by Sandy. Like it just sounds terrible.
1: And it's beautiful now, right? I mean, if yeah, you've I been, mean, if, if you haven't been I highly suggested, it's right at the entrance to the High Line, which most people who don't live in New York City would know what that is. And it is, I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing destination point and any of the shops and restaurants and anything around it is all like, you can't go wrong. That area is, is stunning.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I had the pleasure of working down there um, for about a year um, when I was in college. And then post-college when i worked for a denim company our corporate office in new york like our sales office was right down there as well so it was really nice because it was just like really different it just brought me back to like what i used to do like when i was younger that i was like oh i remember when they first opened the high line like no one knew what it was and then it just like appeared and it was so different like you could just like walk it to midtown and then even now like things have like progressed so much and like more things have started opening on the west side which again it's like the west side has always kind of been I want to say neglected and when you reach the end of the high line now you have Hudson Yards which Hudson Yards was really just like pier. There was like warehouses like nothing great now Hudson Yards is like an actual like mall complex and like corporate offices are there like for instance i believe like the l'oreal corporate office is there but now new york city has their first theme in marcus which is like a huge thing and like they created this like massive um like architectural sculpture that looks like a beehive i forget the name of it now and the vessel it's called the vessel and it's beautiful and you all its purpose is that you can just literally walk it all the way to the top and basically see the view of New York, New Jersey. And it's like, wow. And people are like, well, they always do these things in New York. And I'm like, yeah, but where else are they going to put these things? Like it was the same thing when they built Oculus after 9-11, like where else are you going to put these like awesome, like design pieces aside from New York that, you know, gets countless of tourists, like every single year. And they're just going and, you know, taking pictures and sharing it with their friends in the world. And that's how people keep coming back.
1: Yeah. And you just shut like, I'm West Side till I die for sure. Like I just want to be like West Side the whole time you're saying that. <laughs> I mean, I lived in the West Village, which is to this day like heart of hearts. Like, I literally had maybe it's because of my subconscious. I was thinking about us talking today, but I had a dream last night and I like woke up and I was living in the West Village and I'm like, oh. My heart, I love it. And then I also lived in the Upper West Side. So for me, when I lived in the West Village, I was Charles and Hudson, which is a ten small block from meatpacking. So I was there all the time. Like I would walk my pup at night and stuff, and we would just walk down those streets on a regular basis, or right next to the water there. And then you know, you just go south, like you said, the Oculus is on the West Side as well, like down there by Tribeca, like right before you get to that whole financial district and you know the 9-11 memorial and it's just it's it's something so magical that I know I'm just gonna I'm gonna do my plug for the west side and lower Manhattan real quick that like anyone who comes to New York of course hit all the places that you want to hit but like go get off walk the highline do all the things and then just walk south through the streets of the west village. I mean, stop in the coffee shop, look at the restaurants like meander, go. I mean, the first two years I lived there, so I ended up dating somebody pretty quickly after I moved, you know, shocker, nine year relationship, and then what happens, right? Like didn't plan that. And um he had family that was originally from Long Island and um, our quote unquote the island as we always called it and he had bought a place with some of his friends that they were fixing up in West Hampton which at the time West Hampton was already no longer a destination. Montauk was like starting to gain momentum but West Hampton had changed their laws so that you couldn't do share houses anymore and a lot of the places that were like the beach bars no longer had the proper ordinances so West Hampton was Officially phased out as a destination from people from the city because you couldn't go in on a share house together. It was much more like families. Um, but I spent almost every weekend out there with him because that's all I knew. And the second that we broke up and I was still living in the West Village and I started to actually be in New York in the summer on the weekends. I was like, how did I not know about the magic that happens? Like at the end of my street every night, there were, they had every Friday night, there were screenings of movies, like right on the lawn at the end of my street, right there where Charles hits the river. You know, you could literally go rent paddle boards, like for free. You could go kayaking for free. There's the you know amazing dog parks, like i said i have a I have a pup, but amazing dog parks all around, and they were building new ones, plus they have the volleyball tournament that happens there every year, the AVP and all of the stuff that's literally free concerts popping up on weeknights, and you're like, "How in the world did I not know how magic New York is in the summer, and everyone's in the Hamptons or upstate so it's so many less people.
0: Yep. It's like a little desert of your own, but it's so nice. It's amazing. Yeah. I do remember, I mean, talking about like the West Village in that area, when I first moved, I feel like I, I would always wander as well. Like when I worked down there, just because again, I, like my first two years, I lived in Chelsea or very like Midtown West and it was, you know, it it was again dormy and I wanted to just explore different places. And, you know, after work, I would end up just like walking down those streets. I would walk from me packing down to West village. And I just remember my, I always say it, my favorite street is like walking on Bleecker street. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, you saw your little park and then you had your shops and then that would like lead you to West fourth, which like even that whole area now, Amazing. like I, every time I walk like in West fourth and I'm like, Oh, there's this one bar that I love going to. And I would only remember how I didn't know what street it was on. I just remember because of my walk, I would remember exactly based on, I was like, okay, great. Once I hit Bleecker, I turned this way, West 4th, and then it's a couple blocks and it's on the corner and there's a mural on the wall. And that's how I remembered how to get to, to the bar. And it was really interesting because even like when I found myself in Soho, I would do the same thing. I would walk like towards the west side, walk on like, I don't even know those streets, like maybe McDougal or something like that, mm-hmm. and just keep walking down. And I, that's how I would find my spots. Like, I'd be like, oh, there's this really cute, like, I don't know, crepe spot here in the corner. Like, I know you're
1: talking about off of McDougal. <laughs> yeah, they have <laughs> gluten free crepes if anybody is gluten free. Uh-huh. But
0: it was just those <laughs> things, like, really make it like you don't always like. I feel like now, especially. You know, obviously, there's like a bigger social media presence across the board, and like that's how a lot of these small places are staying in business, and that's really great. But you know, and I and I think that that's still a fun way to find new places. Like you know, whether or not you your friend is sharing it on her social, or I don't know, you saw an Instagram person, you like an influencer post it. It's still valuable because you know, that's what these small businesses need, especially now for us to like, say like, Hey, like I love this spot. It's still open. Or, you know, maybe it's not like, I'd hate to think of like a spot that I love that closed, that will end up shut down. Like, I hate thinking about that right now, but yeah, I think it's always nice, like exploring, especially downtown. So to your point, like anybody that is visiting, go downtown, go outside of the whole, like, you know, Touristy spots of you know whether it is just like I'm finding I don't know a list of things honestly refer to Time Out magazine I love free on the subway they always have a good section with like places to go and like they do mention all these like free things as well that you were talking about I feel like anytime there was like I don't know a free concert or a free like you know they also really mention every time there's street fairs that was also something really cool about New York is when there's random street fairs in the summer and you have no idea and you're walking and then 2nd Avenue is
1: closed because there's a street fair. Well, and shout out to Infatuation. If anybody doesn't know about Infatuation, it is like finger on the Like the restaurant scene in New York is ever changing, ever flowing. I mean, your favorite place in the world that could be packed could be closed tomorrow. You don't mm-hmm. know. And there's new stuff popping up and neighborhoods all over. And yeah, you can totally wander and find the most magic places. Even just where we were talking about on McDougal's, like, can we just talk about at least three places that I would love to go eat right this second right there? I'm <laughs> um, like, mm, that sounds so good. But I digressed as my food coma was like coming into my brain when he started talking (laughs) about that. But there's infatuation is amazing resource because they have their finger on the pulse on the restaurant scene, which is really difficult to have your finger on unless you're in it. I mean, when I first moved to New York there, I got gifted. This is amazing. This is somebody with too much time on their hands. This Excel spreadsheet. Yes, it was back in Excel spreadsheets. And yes, I was issued a BlackBerry when I moved to New York City. (laughs) Can you tell me how you find your way around New York City? There is no like Google Maps link on your BlackBerry. I'm like, (laughs) how is this even real life? I finally ended up buying my own iPhone because you can't even tell where the subways enter any of that on a BlackBerry. So- Anyways, I got this Excel spreadsheet where this guy had literally put together all these like links and things and map of New York and like this Excel spreadsheet with this intricate system of like all the restaurants and ratings and things like he spent, I swear an hour a day on this. And I luckily got gifted it when I first moved there before all of these resources were were at our fingertips and found some really cool places because of that. But I also found some of my favorite places just by wandering And if you see, you know, when my dad and his wife came to visit, I remember my dad being like, wow, New Yorkers are so nice. I'm like, well, yeah, dad, if you actually stop and ask somebody for directions, (laughs) they're going to give you directions. But if you're walking really slow while they're trying to get from the subway to their job that they're already late for, like, yes, they're going to ignore you because they have shit to do. But if you, if you actually ask, New Yorkers are the kindest people in the world and you know, they still talk about my place in the West Village. You know, they were all always on the hunt for the best bagel, right? And cream mm-hmm. cheese and things. Mm-hmm. And they went to all the traditional Jewish delis and all these places. And the one place that they still talk about this day was this little tiny mom and pop place right around the corner from my place on Hudson. I live Charles in Hudson. It was like a block and a half up on the West side of the street going North. And it was amazing. I would go and have this like beautiful oatmeal and this beautiful latte, like sit on the corner on these cushions. And they, to this day were like, that is the best bagel, the best locks, like everything. And you would never find this place anywhere on any map. No one, unless you lived in the neighborhood I lived in and were a regular on those streets would, would even know about it. There's no write up and time out or any of these things about those places. So know if you have the luxury of time and if you have the luxury to come back to new york more than once i highly suggest just putting on your sneaks and walking i mean that's how i i learned that city and have learned i've traveled all over the world and that's my favorite thing to do i just kind of put a destination at least know how i'm gonna go and i just wander and figure out the city and how it works together and I'm open and leave at least a fluid enough time and schedule sure if you want to have dinner at one place great but give yourself two or three hours to get there and maybe take the subway and maybe walk and if you really get screwed just hop in a cab or call an uber and you can get where you need to be by a certain time but the magic of a place in new york is that it's always unexpected there's always the greatest thing you never knew you needed on the next corner
0: yeah No, I mean, I, I agree. I think that every time I come back here, like whether I went home or went on vacation or just like anytime out outside of the city. And when you come back, there's always something new or it's something just undiscovered. It's not necessarily new, but it's something undiscovered to you, to, I don't know, whoever you're with, your partner, your friends. Like it's always fun, even though, yes, you end up finding like you're go to spots that, you know, you keep repeating, but you know, it it's still, there's still magic to like every other place that you're going to find, like the next day, whether it's that extra corner, uh, that you turned like, or even if you've made a left turn or a wrong turn, like there's always something there that is going to be okay for you to be like, Oh my God, like, maybe I should try this spot. Maybe I shouldn't have dinner at this place that we've already been to 10 times. Like, let's give out, uh, this you no know, new spot, a a, a try.
1: Yeah. It's, it's such a beautiful place in that regard. And, you know, it's with the technology, the way things are, there's so many opportunities to find at new places and you can land, you can just get off the subway at a random spot and like, look at your map and just be like, Hmm, I'm in the mood for a latte. And you can type in coffee and you can say, Oh, there's three coffee shops. Let me make a couple of laps, check yeah. it out and mm-hmm. see what's going on. And just kind of feel into my intuition and go where it needs to go. And You know that was my favorite thing always to do and even on the weekends with my pup you know Jackson used to be used to walking for seven hours with me we would literally put our sneaks on coat or not you know depending on the weather and just start out first thing on a Saturday morning I don't think I usually worked out on Saturdays I would just go and walk and walk and walk And there's so, the beautiful thing about New York is you can literally take the subway in the same route to the subway every single day to work. And then all of a sudden, when you're out of your head one day, you just glance down and to the left and you're like, was that always there? (laughs) You know? Yeah. So it's, it's always surprising you and always keeping you on your toes. And it's again that you can love New York and hate New York 10 times in the same day equally. You know, you can have these magic moments and then you can have these moments where life seems really, really difficult. Like- Schlepping all of your things, or you know, I used to tell people, I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I would wake up at 5 30 and my entire day was playing the day before. Like, I knew that if I didn't leave my apartment at like 6 07 and I left at 6 08, mm-hmm. I was totally screwed because then the express train was gone. And, you know, I was now going to be late to my gym class. Like, I want to, you know, get to my soul cycle class on time, which means I didn't get to work out for that day because I had commitments after work. You know, you'd start and such a privileged problem let me just stop myself for a second. Like to be able to say, oh, I can't get to my soul cycle class on time. Like I get it. That's a very like, okay, Erin, take a step back. It's (laughs) not that serious. So many people are dealing with so much more, but in my world, especially in New York, fitness, fitness for me or any type of that mind, body, spirit connection has always been about me keeping my balance. And for me, even if I wasn't going out to the beautiful restaurants around the corner for me in the amazing neighborhood that I lived in, I was able to fill my cup up by just walking and seeing the beauty and understanding like what was in there and understanding the craftsmanship in it and spending my money on something like Soul Cycle because I needed it to bring me down from the stress of what I was dealing with every single day. It was more of a, a mental caliber and for me, it still is. I know that- you know, I just, you know, posted something on Instagram today about paying yourself mind, body, spirit first. And for me, um, I really got honed on, on my need for that when I was in the depths of New York City, having been thrust in there from a completely different life, because it was taking care of myself in those ways that allowed me to survive and or thrive in that environment. Some days I thrived, some days I was just surviving, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah. No, that's definitely an interesting, I think we are a common theme in, in, the podcast is always talking about hustling and thriving, but the actual part of surviving, I find that really interesting that you use that word because it is true. And You know, every day it's going to bring you something different and whether your day is fully planned out, as you were saying in your corporate job, you knew exactly what was going to happen the next 12 hours and you couldn't really control it, um, you had to find you know little wins here and there so if it was going to that soul cycle class or whatever it was you know that particular day to just get you through the next 11 hours of that day means something to you and like you needed to make sure that that was able to happen by waking up on time by you know making sure you got on the subway on time just so your day would flow better so you can keep that kind of peace of mind and I want to talk about that. Thanks for listening to Realistically with Liz. For more interviews, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Make sure to tune in next week for part two of our episode with Erin Elizabeth Downing.